0: crazy is that but that's what's so funny like you go to the basement after you either just got done screwing your coworker, or you're there to hide out and smoke and oh don't worry because to the right of the amber is the fucking underground railroad like that's fucking crazy
1: Guys, welcome back to the Not Literary Podcast. I'm your host, Orianna Runner, and today I'm going to tell you a two part story from my book Rebound, and then I'm going to have an after party with two women who are actually in the story, which is going to be super fun. So I cannot stand a lengthy intro. Let's just jump into it. The first part of the story is called Snowball Paul. I spent the week following Caleb's departure, scanning my inbox for new internet dates, trying to keep myself from crying. I missed him. I missed having sex with him. Nights out drinking with Caleb, orgasms with Caleb, even arguing with Caleb had distracted me from thoughts of Alex. Now Caleb was gone, and I was alone again. I was back at the start, desperate and craving vodka. Previously, internet dating can prove to be a macabre act in self-annihilation. Still, I remained optimistic as I browsed through the profiles of new men. I sat at my desk, vodka soda in one hand, swiping mostly left on eligible bachelors. One middle-aged suitor, a silver fox named Paul, seemed promising. Paul had a solid career in real estate and volunteered through the Big Brothers Big Sisters program. He also coached kids basketball and was a member on a mostly lesbian kickball team, which he revealed through his very active profile photos. He didn't look like a leopard in any of these photos, and they were clear enough shots of both his face and body. This told me that he was handsome, and most likely unwed. I swiped right. His first message came a few days later. Hey, Arianne. I see that you're a writer. Working on anything interesting right now? Nice to e-meet you. Best, Paul. I replied too quickly. Hi, Paul. Nice to e-meet you as well. Let's see writing. I'm working on a few projects for a handful of magazines, artist profiles mainly, but in my spare time I write short stories. That's kind of where my passion lies. Lays? Ugh, some writer. Nice to meet you as well. I see you're in East Nashville. I am too. Any favorite hangouts I should know about? A. Paul replied quickly as well. Or I am. It's lie, as in where my passion lies. It's lay, as in lay on a bed. Too forward? Would be happy to give you a grammar lesson anytime. Maybe at one of my favorite East Side, East Side haunts. Maybe Saturday. Meet in person. I liked his joke. Or I liked that he at least made a joke. Paul. Har har. Nice one. You know what they say. If you can make her laugh, you can make her breakfast. Sadly, I'm unavailable on weekends. Until my big break, I'm a bartender to pay my bills. Too cliche? Anyway, I'm off weeknights if you can get away. Let me know. A. I checked my profile several more times that night, but there was no timely response from Paul. Did he lose interest because I'm a bartender? I asked myself. Fuck, why did I make that lay or lie comment? I shook my head, looking at my empty inbox every few hours, manically fidgeting with my phone. After incessantly swiping right on less suitable bachelors and intermittently spiraling into an Instagram hole of unattainable body types, I gave up. I threw my phone across the bed and went to the kitchen for a snack. I rummaged in the fridge, pulling out ingredients that can only be found in a predominantly vegan household. I hummed quietly as I spread veganese onto lightly toasted spelt bread. I took my time carameling cashew cheese over fresh lettuce placed atop the bread. I sizzled tofurkey in a hot pan of olive oil, trying to attain exactly the kind of crunch tofurkey never has. Like a moth to a vegan BLT flame, Everly popped up the second the tofurkey hit the pan. Girl, what you cooking? She looked sleepy. Her hair mussed and her eyes rimmed with red. Everly was also a bartender, so there was a good chance she had just woken up from a nap. Midnight snack. Trying to distract myself, I told her, popping a broken piece of the fake bacon into my mouth. Shit, is it midnight? She asked. Okay, sorry, ten o'clock snack, I replied. Oh, okay, girl, I thought I had way overslipped. She nodded toward the now-constructed sandwich and raised her eyebrows. I passed her half. Why you got plans tonight? Got a girlfriend coming over? I smiled. No, no, but I was tired. I didn't want to be up all night, so I swear I'd only nap like 45 minutes. Gotcha. Shit, I was hoping you were going out. I've been driving myself crazy trying to find a boyfriend on the internet. Between that and Instagram, I'm spinning out. I laughed. I canceled Instagram. Too easy to stalk and too easy to be stalked. I knew that Everly would have more of a problem with the latter. Since I had moved in, she had an impressive array of short-term relationships. I'm going out tomorrow night, though. Why don't you come? Gonna hit the gay bars. Casey and Charlotte said they might come, too. That could be fun. I took a bite of my sandwich. Well, it sure as hell beats sitting on your phone and tindering all night or whatever the hell you're doing. And if I'm honest, it beats this nasty BLT thing you made. She put the remaining chunk of her sandwich back on my plate. Think about it, she said, rubbing my head affectionately. I chewed the rest of the sandwich, standing in the cool light of the refrigerator, scanning the contents for something more satisfying. I happened upon a half bottle of dessert wine and carried it to my bedroom. The room was cool and dark, the only light coming from a strand of Christmas lights shoved inside a grass green Chinese lantern in the corner. It created an eerie glow. Perfect for a night of watching zombie flicks in bed. I pushed a few back issues of Cosmo off of my nightstand to make room for my bottle of wine in the remote. Zombie Holocaust. Hmm. I said as I scrolled through Netflix's abundance of 80s horror films. Fucking perfect. I picked up my phone from the foot of the bed and reclined onto a stack of musty pillows. Ding! I woke hours later, the early morning sun shining oppressively through my open curtains, to a new message. It was from Paul. Hey Marianne, sorry for the delayed response. Got carried away at work. A bartender and a writer, eh? That's quite the combo. I mostly make my own work schedule so I can pretty easily plan a big night on the town on a weeknight. What do you say to sometime this week? I can make myself available Thursday night if you can. Okay you guys, little aside here, one moment. He capitalized a big night on the town. Okay, so You'll get this joke if you're like a poetry fan. While I don't actually like Charles Bukowski, I appreciated Paul's reference to one of his poems and was glad that he knew of him. Just as I was about to type back an enthusiastic yes to Paul's request, Everly knocked gently on my door. I'm making coffee, girl. You up? Yeah, I'm up. I'm sure I'm going to stay up, I replied. Stay up for a bit. I'll make you breakfast. Come eat with me, she plied. Okay, fine, fine, bribe me with bacon, I said. Fakin, she corrected me with a wink as I opened the door. I had been living with Everly and two other roommates, Casey and Charlotte, in our adorable craftsman-style home on Forest Avenue for a few months, and we had really bonded. All three of the girls treated me like a sister, and on an unrelated but interesting note, all three of the girls were lesbians. I felt like Jack in Three's Company, but like Four's Company and more gay. So what are your plans this week? Everly asked as she whisked egg substitute together in a bowl, perching it on her hip and facing me. I don't know. Probably lay in bed and mope a bit. Maybe go on an internet date? I was just messaging this guy Paul. Looks like he has his shit together, I told her. That's what you said about the last one, girl. She raised her eyebrow and placed the bowl on the kitchen counter. I know, I know, but you gotta be optimistic, right? I asked. Yeah, okay, optimistic. Just don't be so optimistic that you end up dumb. She turned back to cooking. Say, speaking of being dumb, me and the girls, we're going to do a girls' night out at the gay bars this week. Kill a few brain cells. Why don't you come with us? We can plan for Thursday so you're not working, she offered. Thursday, I thought of Paul. Paul was hot. Paul was employed. Paul knew of, like, at least one poet. But wasn't Everly right? Right. Didn't I deserve a fun night out with the girls? Couldn't I stand to kill a few brain cells, especially the ones that had been so preoccupied with men as of late? Thursday night, the four of us hovered around an oversized vanity in our impeccably decorated makeup room, streaking glitter over exposed flesh. Our eyes were smoky and so heavily mascaraed that we each achieved a sort of drooping to our lids. Charlotte reasoned that this made us look like Marilyn Monroe. It's like we look sleepy, but sexy sleepy, she said as she smudged a chubby coal pencil under her right eyelid. Secretly, I felt like I looked more like I had a double dose of Bell's palsy, but after a few pre-game cocktails, that notion vanished. We piled into Casey's Escalade, ready to tear the town a new one. We were buzzed, energetic, and very sparkly. That night, we managed to hit every bar in East Nashville. As last call loomed, The girls decided that we would be closing the night's festivities with a visit to the Lipstick Lounge. Despite its name, the Lipstick Lounge was not full of lipstick lesbians. Instead, the bar was full of what we called Sevens. Sevens are butch country lesbians with mullets. When they turn to the side, their mulleted heads make them look like the number seven. Sevens, see? The girls and I nodded our heads to the circuit house being played and sipped on drinks in a room of only ladies. I was surprised then when I noticed, in the thick sea of sevens, one man. It was Paul. At first, I couldn't be sure it was him. We had never met in person, but when I saw his social group was mostly lesbians in sports jerseys, I knew this was the same dude. He also lived on the east side of town, walking distance from the lounge, so it wasn't a crazy coincidence that he was there. The face smiling warmly and kissing two sevens on their cheeks was undeniably Paul's. But his hair was darker, much darker. There was no gray to be seen. I guess he could have dyed it, I wondered. Would I date a guy who dyes his hair? I shouted over the music to Everly. I mean, I dye my hair. You do too, Everly said, holding on to her vodka cranberry and swaying with the music. Yeah, but it's different for guys, right? I asked. Look, that guy right there. Is he hot? I pointed at Paul. Girl, he's fun. Charlotte chimed in. Is he straight though? I saw him online. We've been chatting. He says he's straight, I added. Well, go get him then, Casey nudged me in his direction. Fine, fine, I laughed as I stumbled forward a bit. I handed Everly my drink and adjusted my sweaty cleavage. I don't want him to think I'm an alcoholic, I said, nodding at my drink, asking her to get rid of it. I sauntered over to Paul and tapped him on his shoulder. "'Excuse me, but don't we sort of know each other?' I asked. He recognized me immediately as he turned and smiled a mischievous grin. "'Mischievous? Mischievous.'" <laughs> "'Sometimes when you're reading, you know, it doesn't come out the way you expect it to.'" Oriane, He did a pretty decent job of pronouncing my name. "'Paul?' I laughed and blushed a little. "'I had hot vodka cheeks and then grew hotter when I noticed how sexy Paul was in person.'" I attempted to bat my heavy, clumpy eyelashes, but instead just very slowly closed my eyes, one of which got stuck shut for just a moment. Oh well. The rest of our conversation took place in a small VIP room above the bar where I could chain smoke as Paul and I convinced one another that neither of us had a head in our respective freezers or any other dangerous red flag to fear. So why is your hair that color? I thought you were a silver fox. His eyes darted from my smile to my cleavage when I called him a silver fox, and his face lit up again with that devilish grin. I dyed it for Halloween. I went as an Indian customer service rep. You know, bronzer, dark hair, a headset, a polo. I always imagine those guys wearing a polo, don't you? he asked. This startled me. Did this guy actually do brown face for Halloween? And he dyes his hair? What the? Can I get you a drink? he offered, and my rational thoughts vanished. "'Yes,' I said without hesitation. "'Vodka soda, thank you,' I smiled, "'and zapped his casually racist costume from my mind. "'I like it better silver, I think,' I shouted as he walked away. "'He turned back and winked. "'Our conversation continued with drinks in our hands "'and sex clearly on our minds. The "'Undeniable chemistry between us must have been palpable "'because pretty much everyone in VIP cleared out, "'leaving us alone in the center of the room. "'Cheerful circuit music pumped away downstairs,' and rainbow disco ball lights swirled around the empty room. Paul took a swig of his whiskey on the rocks and leaned into me. Slowly, he ran his fingers along the nape of my neck, and then across my jawline gently, stopping with his thumb under my chin, lifting my face gently toward his. And then he kissed me. Whoa, did he kiss me. Come home with me, he whispered in my ear, the smell of his cologne only noticeable when he was close. Paul, I started, fully prepared to shut him down. I have an early morning and we just barely met, I reasoned. Fuck that. Come home with me, he repeated, perhaps aware that my resolve could be easily weakened. Does that usually work for you, I laughed, breaking the intense physical connection between us by backing up slightly and crossing my legs away from him. We don't have to do anything. You don't even have to spend the night. I just want to talk to you over drinks, but maybe not in a cheesy, disco-lit gay bar, he smiled. Ah, I see. So you don't want to sleep with me, then? You just want to talk, I smiled back. Well, no. I mean, no, but yeah, we can just get to know each other. He sucked on an ice cube from his empty drink, awaiting my response. Fine. One drink, I said, reaching for my purse. Much like my love for robbing hotels for their paper stock, I also have a serious lady boner for fabulous real estate, and Paul's townhome did not disappoint. Location and layout aside, this was a three-story loft-style condo, dead in the center of the best part of town. Paul also had great taste. As we walked through the echoing hallways, he revealed an art collection not to be scoffed at. With each step through his not-at-all-humble abode, I fell more and more in love with Paul's apartment. Halfway through the tour of Paul's condo, we reached the kitchen. Paul poured me a perfectly dry vodka martini with a twist. He fixed himself a whiskey on the rocks. We sat awkwardly on his divine sectional sofa. As I sipped my martini, I formulated a plan. Number one, we were absolutely going to make out. I had no intention of going any further than that since Paul seemed like a real keeper. Number two, after making out, I would leave. That was... That way, my honor would remain intact. But I would also give Paul a taste of things to come. I would be sexy, yet unavailable. I was a classy lady with restraint. Three, he would call me three days later, ask me on a proper date, and obviously we would fall madly in love. I would forget Alex forever and spend my days off in Paul's well-decorated home, perhaps adding some of my own artwork to the few undecorated walls. We would make love and eat expensive organic produce. Paul would work from home on slow days, and together we would peruse high-end furniture catalogs. We would bond over our couples' massages every Friday and discuss future Halloween costumes, ones that weren't racist. It was a simple three-step plan, really. So, it began. He kissed me on the sofa first, and then somehow managed to scoop me up and pin me against a neighboring wall, just under a lovely postmodern nude. We pushed our way through the hall, stumbling a bit from drinking, our balance thrown off as we wrapped around one another like horny teenagers. We moved to his office, briefly tossing some papers from his desk and then kissing passionately all over that. A darkly stunning lithograph revealed our reflections as he pushed me against another wall. He led me upstairs to his bedroom and tossed me onto his fluffy, white California king. His pillows smelled like lemon meringue pies, his sheets like marshmallow. I wanted nothing more than to curl up in his blankets still I stopped him make out and leave classy lady classy lady I repeated in my mind I repositioned myself unwrapping our bodies and prepared to explain Paul I pressed my hand against his chest a light resistance he interrupted me can I please go down on you Paul whispered this so quietly I almost didn't hear him Absolutely no way, I said playfully, joking, but still physically resisting with a change in posture and positioning. Be classy, organic breakfasts, high-end sofas, I reminded myself. Motherfucker. Absolutely no way, I said playfully, joking, but still physically resisting with a change in posture and positioning. Be classy, Orion. Organic breakfasts. High-end sofas, I reminded myself. Paul, I just met you. Besides, I told you I have to be up early, and he interrupted me with another kiss. Please, you don't have to stay, but let me just go down on you, he asked as he kissed my neck. (laughs) Typical. He wants to hook up, and then he wants me to leave? Uh, that definitely wasn't happening. We sat back quietly, and it seemed Paul had conceded. He kissed me once more, pulling me back into a less tangled position. He looked me dead in the eyes and asked once more, Orien, please let me go down on you. I promise I'll wake you up in time for whatever it is you have to do in the morning. Just let me taste you. His voice was more masculine and determined now, but I wasn't intimidated, just turned on. This time he had pronounced my name perfectly. My inner dialogue sparked up here, though, and proverbial angel and devil on my shoulders each started digging their heels in. My inner dialogue sparked up here, the proverbial angel and devil on my shoulders each digging their heels in, insisting that I be torn in two opposite directions. Do I stay, get some head, sleep in this nice-ass bed, and just hope he calls me again? Or do I leave right now, ensuring that he will call and marry him, living happily ever after as outlined in my three-step plan? I waffled, looking at Paul, looking at the doorway, and looking at those fluffy pillows. And then, yeah, I let Paul eat my pussy. Wrapped in a post-coital snuggle, Paul's arms around me, his marshmallow blankets pulled up around me tightly, I thought about the beauty of getting my pussy eaten. First of all, I had a beautiful, cheek-pinkening orgasm. This made me feel wonderful and made Paul feel accomplished. Second, I wasn't pregnant and I hadn't put myself at risk of getting an STD. How often can you say that these days? I started to worry after that. Had I blown our beautiful future together just for a cheap night of hot pussy eating? I buried my rosy cheeks deeper under the lemony sheets and did the only thing any of us can do after a healthy orgasm. I went to sleep. That was part one of the story. Now, part two are where things get interesting. Part two has pretty much everything you need for a good story, which includes violence, death-defying icy situations, kind of a sumo wrestler, beer in the snow, um, screeching girlfriends, and so much more. So, here we go. This is part two and this story is called Nothing Like a Good Day Drink. Enjoy! Christmas time was quickly approaching, and in true holiday form, not one but two Christmas miracles would occur. The first of these miracles was that, despite my inability to keep my pants on, Paul called. Was it only actual penetration that sent men running in the other direction Was receiving first date head okay? Was Paul just so smitten that he was willing to overlook my weakness for good head? And sure, it had been nearly a month since I'd heard from him, but Paul was a very busy guy, right? Very busy Paul wanted to get dinner together. I accepted. Dinner was an intimate affair. Dinner was so intimate, in fact, that we were the only people in the restaurant. Paul picked an inexpensive pho place near his apartment. Oh, side note, at this time in my life, I thought it was pronounced pho. People out there that call the noodle places pho, I'm with you, I feel you, I made that mistake too, but apparently it's pho. Okay, good to know. Sorry, that's not in the book. The food here really is great, Paul assured me when he noticed my eyes darting around the empty restaurant. I thought that maybe Paul was cheap. I was reassured when I noticed that the wine list was oddly high-end. I'm so sorry I haven't been in touch, Paul said as he placed his hand over mine on the table. Work has been insane, he said, moving his hands to gesture to the waiter. We'd love a bottle of the Pinot Noir, he added as the waiter approached. I swear, between the real estate gig, the coaching, and then Tyrone, I have had my hands full, he said. Tyrone? I asked him. Yeah, from Big Brothers Big Sisters. I didn't tell you that I do that? It's on my dating profile. The waiter arrived with our wine and began the usual presentation. So between that and youth basketball and actual work, I've been busy. Paul nodded and smiled a friendly smile at the waiter and then handed me a glass of red wine. Paul's silver hair had returned and his eyes sparkled in the low lighting. Basically, Paul was Jesus. I was on a date with a sexy Jesus. Knowing that a sexy Jesus was hard to find, I turned on my charm and tried to represent myself as best as possible. I told Paul about the stories I enjoyed writing, eliciting laughs from some of my better punchlines. I shied away from the debauched tales of late and didn't mention the bar where I worked. I wanted Paul to find me elegant and intelligent. We talked about our taste in food, art, and film. We shared an affinity for John Waters' movies as we slurped down fat, slippery noodles. I told Paul that I had moved to Nashville from Baltimore where I grew up. I lamented a bit about the city, how dangerous it was, how corrupt the politicians were, and Paul consoled me by placing his hands over mine again. When he touched me, the colors in the room became saturated and the blood flowing in my veins felt hot and thick. I was careful not to drink too much and insisted we stop after two bottles of red wine. Our conversation was so good, our chemistry so electric, and Paul's apartment was so close by, that soon I found myself right back where it all started. We kissed against the walls, we knocked things off the desk, our naked bodies reflected in the darkly stunning lithograph again. We stumbled upstairs and fell into his bed that still smelled like pie, and this time I put out. As I slept in Paul's oversized bed, I dreamt of fuzzy baby animals and attractive men. My mind filled only with my favorite things. I hoped that Paul and I would continue down this romantic path. The night before, he had been funnier, more charming, and better looking than I had remembered. This guy had his life together, gave a serious shit about giving back to his community, and then there was that condo. Of course, it couldn't be all sunshine and roses. We all know how this trade-off works, right? Paul had a micropenis. A micropenis, in case you don't know, is a penis that is so small that most insurance companies will cover an enlargement. Seriously, micropenis is a real term. Given his accomplishments and insane charisma, I expected Paul to have no penis at all. I compromised when I saw that there is at least something between his legs. Small was okay just this once. And so what if he qualifies as like medically deformed? An orgasm is an orgasm, right? and I had had one both times. While I slumbered, the second Christmas miracle would occur. The temperature steadily dropped and it began to snow. It snowed through the night and well into the morning. Little flakes became big flakes, the temperature dropping low enough to allow the snow a comfortable stay on our traditionally too warm ground. I awoke to find Paul's condo blanketed in a beautiful white. No traffic in the street, no birds chirping, The weather had gifted us with the romantic morning after, quiet and still. Although I hated snow, the shoveling, the plowing, the way it turns a sooty gray in the streets, I was excited to spend extra time with my new honey. Snow in Nashville is not entirely uncommon, but any more than a quick dusting mixed with sleet and rain is pretty unheard of. Because of this, we literally do not have snowplows. We do not have salt trucks. Seriously, we have to borrow them from neighboring cities. When it really snows in Nashville, Nashville gets one hell of a day off. And what better to do on a snow day than drink? I was still in Paul's bed when the girls from work called. Carly, Melinda, and I met through our mutually shitty jobs at the Broadway brew house. We shared lots of things in common. An occupation, a boss, a penchant for drinking to the point of excess. When wasted, both Melinda and Carly turned from well-educated, level-headed women into screeching, casually violent lushes, Despite being unforgivable caricatures, the girls always understood and forgave one another. They were their own best enablers. By the sound of their voices over the phone, they had already been drinking. Girl, wake the fuck up. It's a snow day, Carly shouted over the line. Her voice was shrill and Melinda chuckled in the background. Ugh, my voice was hoarse and sleepy. I'm not even home yet. I had already gushed to the girls at work about Paul, sharing what women share. I told them how handsome he was and how successful. I told them about our first night together, the pussy-eating night, and all three of us were mutually shocked when Paul had asked me to dinner. While bragging about his beautiful condo, I had also told the girls where Paul lived. Not one to take no for an answer, Carly was parked in front of Paul's condo and still screeching over the phone not ten minutes later. I panicked. Paul meeting my drunkest of friends would cast a shadow over his opinion of me, for sure. He would think I was a lush, too. I tossed on my outfit from the night before and ran outside, only giving Paul a quick kiss goodbye. I mumbled something about an important brunch meeting, which wasn't a lie, exactly, seeing as brunch is code for drinking before noon. I felt terrible abandoning my new love without more of a goodbye, but it was clear. Either I would come out or the girls would come in. I had no choice but to go. An innocent I was, forced by circumstance, forced to daydrink. Almost everything in Nashville shuts down when it snows. No grocery stores, no banks. No hairdressers or florists. No deli, no coffee shop. Only a small handful of businesses open, and they are all dive bars. Corporate clean establishments, the kind you'd find in any town, go ahead and call it a snow day. This meant that Carly, Melinda, and I were not expected to come in and work at the brew house, seeing as it was relatively clean and relatively corporate. But on the east side of town, it was bar business as usual. As we drove through East Nashville, people were walking the dive bar dotted streets, hoping to score a warm seat and a cold beer. Here, we were not alone in our mission. Drunks and other day offers, clad in their mismatched extra layers of clothing, were celebrating the snow with shot specials. The fact that everyone else seemed to be up for a good day drink, eased my mind. My shots would go down a little smoother now. Hell, Paul may have even had the same snow day plans to get AM wasted. Everyone was doing it, so why not me? We began our journey into daytime alcoholism at a bar called Three Crow. Carly, Melinda and I knew the bartender well. A busty blonde with a heavy hand, we had worked with Ace at Brewhouse several months prior. She had since moved on to this divy, smoke-filled establishment, not because the tips were much better, but because of the lack of management. Ace was now allowed to pour liquor into her friend's mouths freely and without consequence. We threw back free shots and listened to a lone man on an acoustic guitar sing songs about warmer weather. We ordered tropical drinks and entered our own mental Margaritaville. The next seven or 20 bars we hit are irrelevant. I remember shots of tequila being the last liquor on my lips before I staggered to a cab by myself. It was dark now. We had been drinking for a minimum of six hours. I managed to get home in one sloppy piece, and, like the delicate jewel that I am, sprawled myself out, half naked on the kitchen floor. A roommate walked in mid-strip and stood above me, shaking her head in disapproval. Oriane, you gotta stop this shit, she said. She walked away, muttering words like evict and new roommate. I couldn't for the life of me figure out which roommate it was. I knew that she was shorter than me, had hair, and also eyes. The rest was too blurry to make out. I woke up later, still sprawled on the kitchen floor, my cell phone buzzing. It was Paul. This is one of those if I hadn't moments, I'm sad to say that I have had so, so many of. If only I hadn't had that last cocktail. Or if only I hadn't eaten that old sushi. If only I hadn't gone commando in that skirt. You understand the feeling? That night, it was if only I hadn't answered that call. But if I hadn't, Sir Futile, because when Paul called, I jumped up from the floor, threw a dish towel over my naked upper body, and answered. I had. Hey. I was trying to sound sexy. I did not. Hello, madame. Paul sounded drunk. Maybe he really had been day drinking? I was calling to ask if you'd accompany me on a sledding trip, say, in 45 minutes he continued. I didn't know why he was talking all old-timey, but I found it cute, not bizarre. Indeed, sir, I slurred. Pick me up. I've had a few cocktails, I asked. I was being honest-ish, although poor Paul had no idea that by a few cocktails, I meant about 20. Paul arrived on time and looking devilishly handsome as usual. I had layered on some odd assortment of clothing to keep warm and looked like a marshmallow peep, dipped in neon paint, and put in a microwave for ten seconds. I was big, bright, and puffy. I was also hammered and watched the the cars swirl by me as Paul drove us to a local sledding spot. I bobbed and weaved in my seat, gazing out of the window. I may have even hiccuped. As the car slowed, I shook my head to regain clarity. I looked at what seemed to be a slick, perversely steep hill, coated with only a thin sheet of rock-hard ice. Where was the snow? Worse even, at the bottom of the hill was a large cement wall. Clearly, this was not a good idea. I love to sled. Who doesn't love to sled? But prone to drunken accidents, I have learned that when I have been drinking, I need to take minor precautions to ensure I don't land myself in a hospital. When I observed that Paul had brought me to possibly the most treacherous of all sledding locales ever, I knew I would have to decline the ride. I wasn't being a baby here. That hill was a no-go. No one drunk could have navigated themselves anywhere but directly into that cement wall. I wasn't ending up in the hospital that night. No way. Orion, you have to go down just once. I'll go with you and you won't get hurt, a disappointed Paul pleaded with me this irritated me. This was highly irresponsible. Also, why was this guy always convincing me about going down in some way or another? Get a new shtick, buddy, I said to Paul. He didn't understand the context and continued to plead. Come on, don't be such a baby. It's just sledding." He was gesturing toward the cement wall as he laughed. The swirly, fun part of my drunk was wearing off fast, and I started to feel aggressive. What the hell was wrong with this guy? What a total jerk. An idiot. He was basically trying to kill me. Now I was pissed. Don't be a fucking asshole, Paul. That hill dead ends into a cement fucking wall. I'm not going to the hospital tonight, I shouted. The other sledders pretended not to notice, but I was making a scene. Paul didn't know about how many bars I had been to that day, or how accident prone I was when sober, let alone this drunk. In fact, Paul didn't really know much about me at all. I wanted so badly to keep things this way, to not show Paul this side of me, but I was too fucked up to hold back. I pushed him away from me as he continued to try and convince me down the hill. I spotted a 12-pack of beer in a small pile of snow, probably abandoned by another sledder, probably dead now, and popped one open. I sat my bright, puffy ass down alongside the 12-pack. As I sat, my thick layers let out a whoosh of air that sounded like a fart. I looked up at Paul. He had heard it. Stupid fucking sleds. Stupid fucking hills, I said to no one in particular. I was losing control and getting angrier. Someone is gonna die tonight, I shouted. What I had meant to be a warning came out more as a threat. People stared fearfully. Paul finally left me alone, correctly assuming that I was a lost cause. A few minutes passed and I sat alone, breathing in cold, deep breaths, trying to calm down. Oriane! I heard someone yell out from behind me. I turned to face the voice calling out my name and was struck with a hard-packed, icy snowball right in the face. For a moment, everything was silent. My face burned, and I felt my eyeliner and mascara running into my eyes. Then, slowly, through the silence, a whistling of sorts started to echo. Quiet at first, then louder and louder, I soon realized it was my voice. I was screaming like a human tea kettle, my face a monstrous red and black with running makeup. This was not going to end well. I pawed at the chunks of ice in my eyes, trying to clear enough of the thick black goop away so as to identify my attacker. I was staggering in a circle, pacing as if performing some kind of pathetic ritual dance. I had stopped screaming, but was still out for blood. Finally, my vision cleared. One asshole would throw an ice ball into a girl's face? You already guessed it. It was Paul. Who the hell did this pompous asshole think he was? First, he practically tries to murder-suicide me on the worst hill in all of sledding history, and then he throws the equivalent of a frozen fucking baseball in my face? And he has a goddamn micropenis? For Christ's sake, this guy is a nightmare! No wonder he has to volunteer so much. Drunken Orien would take no more of this. I stopped pacing and stood very still. Everyone around us had quieted, and even Paul's stream of apologies was muffled by my rage. I looked at him, wiping one last streak of melting slush from my brow. I approached him slowly. I took one big step at a time, my movement hindered by so many layers of clothing. I looked like a neon sumo wrestler. Paul looked appropriately fearful. We stood... Eye to eye, Paul still babbling a string of apologies, but it was too late. For just a moment we stood, silent. I only wish I would have taken a moment to stomp each foot in ceremony or to take a brief bow. Instead, I punched Paul as hard as I could, right in the face. The next morning, I woke up in a sweat. I passed out under my blankets, still bundled in my ridiculous rainbow bright snow gear. I ripped and tore, still drunk, at my outfit until I had stripped down enough to breathe. A tie-dye, long-sleeved shirt hung from my nightstand. Colorful, mismatched leg warmers had been flung across the room. One dangled from a lampshade and the other conveniently covered my alarm clock. The cold air in the room cooled my blotchy and damp skin. My phone was ringing. I heard it muffled somewhere in another small pile of dayglow duds. Hello? I found it wrapped in magenta tights. Girl, what the hell happened to you last night? I looked around Brew House and you were gone. It was Carly. Well, I replied. I didn't really know what had happened to me exactly. I let the line go quiet. Okay, so you blacked out. Do you remember being at Brew House? She asked. She was such a professional drunk. How she remembered it all was beyond me. And no, I didn't recall setting foot in my workplace. Dear God, that couldn't have been good. I thought they were closed. That's why we were off, right? I punctuated my answer with a raspy cough. I was so confused. No, they just closed early, so we went and drank there. It was all staff. It was pretty normal, except you called Max a cocksucker and told him you hate your job. But other than that, Carly laughed a little. Max was my boss. Oh, okay, good. That sounds perfect. Glad we stopped in to say hello. I was being sarcastic, but was still too groggy to be upset. So where did you go from there, Missy? I bet you had quite the adventure. Carly was chipper, but her voice was hoarse from drinking and screeching. My head was pounding. The idea of trying to recall and recant the stories from the night before was too daunting. I took a deep breath and told Carly all that I could muster. Well, if what you're telling me about Brewhouse is true, I'm pretty sure I lost my job, so that's fun. For some reason, I think my roommate is going to evict me soon, and I absolutely ruined my new relationship with Paul by punching him in the face. I'm not kidding. I punched him in the face. I exhaled and leaned back on my sweaty pillow. So, you're fired, homeless, and single? Carly was really laughing now. Sounds like it. I groaned. I waited for her response. There was a short pause, as if she was evaluating or, God forbid, judging me. Yep, you're going to be fine. Nothing like a good day drink to ruin your life and really put things in perspective for you. Chin up, kid. She sounded like an old man, a wise uncle with an alcohol problem. Authoritative and sure and definitely still drunk. What are you doing today? I asked. I don't know, she replied. Want to get a drink? Okay. Those were our stories for this week's episode. Let's get our special guests on the phone. These are the two girls from part two of the story. Nothing like a good day drink. And also my favorite day drinking friends from back in the day. Uh, We are bringing in Melinda, who's going to let us use her real name. We'll be calling her Miranda. And then Carly, who is keeping her fake identity for a sundry of reasons, I'm sure. Uh, Let's call them up. Let's go. okay hi you guys welcome to the show i have carly and miranda here they were in the, one of the stories the second part of the story that i read today uh and we're gonna talk about broadway <laughs> brew house i have many broadway Brewhouse stories but i'll ask you guys first do you have any memorable things to share from the times when we worked at broadway Brewhouse? I the first thing that I have written down, yes, is <laughs> I'll start. I don't mind starting. The first story I have on my list, it just like I I just wrote down some notes and it just says ball powder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like, like I'm sure you guys like gold remember. Ball? We worked with mostly guys, I guess it was 50-50, but it was a lot of guys on staff. Like I was used to working mostly female bars. The guys all started, so Brew House is in Tennessee and it gets really hot in the summer, obviously. And it's also- So hot. So hot. And it also had like these open garage doors and it was a smoking bar. So the garage doors always had to be open. So like the AC didn't really do anything. So in like the summer, all the guys started powdering their balls Jason,
2: <laughs> Jason brought us ball powder. Yeah.
0: No, but this is the thing. Like I, I know people that do that year round. Like, it's just a regular. Like I'm getting, like how I rub deodorant between my thighs. Yeah, like most guys like sprinkle their sack with like gold bond. Like my last two husbands have done that shit <laughs> like fucking clockwork. <laughs> <laughs> the last two, mind you. I mean. <laughs>
1: I'm fine with that, but, like, everybody was going around at work, like, carrying plastic bags out in public of, like, their ball powder being like, hey, bro, and they would, like, show each other their ball powder and, like, talk about going to the bathroom to powder their balls. Like, it was getting out of control, and, like, like Carly said, uh, Jason started it, and I really didn't like Jason. I had a chip on my shoulder for that motherfucker from the jump, just because, of so many reasons, but, um so i decided white man. yeah well <laughs> we all know now white, man. Uh, <laughs> white ball. Just
0: so fucking white
1: patriarchy <clears throat> um so i decided to play a prank on jason and i was gonna switch out his ball powder with flour and chili flakes so that he would basically oh, fuck. yeah dude it was pretty smart um, actually, the chili flakes weren't my idea. I was just going to do flour so he would make, like, a pancake in his pants. <laughs> so when I went to the kitchen to switch out his ball powder, I told Oscar, the chef... Um, who did not have a okay. giant oozing herpy that day for one time in his life. Hey, uh, baby. <laughs> I still would have honestly
0: let Oscar hit it like with no shame. I would have been like, "No, it's fine. Like, get back there." He made really good food, you guys. <laughs> like, he did make pretty good food. He made good food. <laughs> he made
1: great food. <laughs> yeah, but that constant herpy on his face.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I just let him go from behind, because then like we're not kissing, but he can let you're his hair down. Like, you're gonna
1: get one on like turn your Turn a fan
0: on. Oh God, please, everyone needs to stop. Can we just have a PSA for a minute? Yeah. Stop licking each other's assholes, because when we're you just do talking it, about that. Then I'm supposed to feel guilty because I don't want to do it, and I, I don't, don't want to lick your it. asshole. I don't know that's wanna no wanna suck your dick. Let alone go the other direction. Like this is just. I don't know where this started. I don't know who started it, but it was probably a fucking white man. So let's just go with that.
1: This is the whitest
0: fucking thing I've ever heard. Like I just want to lick the dirtiest part of you. Then... Write me a fucking poem about all of my mental illnesses. That's how you can touch the dark in me. Don't lick my, my asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
2: the inner, <laughs> me, like no. the inner
0: workings of me. Like, no. Inner workings <laughs> of me. It's, like, it's so <laughs> fucked up. And like. I want you guys to both know, like I didn't smoke weed all day today because I wanted to make sure I was like extra surly, like
1: extra fucking
0: angry and shit. And now I can't find my pipe. Now I'm real pissed. Okay.
1: What the fuck? We'll get back to 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 asking me because I was just talking about how I hooked up with this guy. I wouldn't call it hooking up because the only thing that happened is we he took me out drinking and then he came over. And then for like a couple of minutes, he licked my butt. And then he was like, all right. And then like the next day he texted me, your ass is so delicious. What the fuck? How is that the beginning? (laughs) I don't even understand what happened.
0: (laughs) Did he start? He was like, I'm going to lick your feet. And then bam, he somehow no, your
1: assholes. No, he went straight to the butt girl. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? But like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'll tell you what. If you want to catch a bitch off guard, go straight to the asshole. Because I didn't even know. I was like,
0: what... I've yelled. Like, I've yelled when men have done it. And I just, I immediately sound so fucked up because I get that low voice. Like, when When you think somebody's coming into your house and you're like, who
2: is
1: this?
0: I I immediately go into that. And I always say the same thing because it's happened a few times. And I'm like, I'm not clean. Like, (laughs) because I'm like, dude, like, no, like you don't know. Like I could have been in a hurry. Maybe I'm not wearing underwear today. And it's been a little fucking like Yeah. Hit and miss. Like if you you're, don't Yeah, anything know. can happen
1: when it's the butt. Anything can and, and mostly bad things are probably gonna happen because that's where I poop. That's where my poop comes out. That's that's my you're that's right, my like dirt hole. Exactly <laughs> know. Yeah. Well the God. funny thing is, is that this guy, <laughs> that's the only hole. thing that ever happened between me and this guy. And then, hmm. like, months later, like, literally a month ago, this happened, like, over a year and a half ago, about a month ago, I got an email from his girlfriend, and she's like, it was, oh. like, nice, she was like, hey, I'm really sorry to bother you, I hope I don't weird you out, but I'm and so." his nickname has been Sam, since I've been telling the story, because I'm ashamed that I ever even, like, let him lick my butthole, which I don't even, I'm not ashamed about the butthole thing, it's just he's such a loser, but, um, yeah, then she messaged me. Well, She's like, were you hooking up with him? And I didn't. First of all, when that happened, I was a bartender. And it's kind of like bartender's that like you shut the fuck up. Um, second of all, did I really even hook up with him? There was nothing between us except that one night he licked my butthole for a few minutes.
0: You have nothing to hide. You should have just responded with he licked my asshole. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't
1: know.
0: <laughs> I don't know how we could be further ships in the night. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I'm a past- full
1: response.
0: He, it, nothing ever really saying, happened he
1: just licked my butthole for a few he minutes. Licked yeah, no ass so. one
0: sentence licked the ass because <laughs> <laughs> then she's probably like that
1: explains it he, he
0: and she thinks licks. she doesn't
1: know he does that
0: no but i'm saying now she knows like it's not just her. well that, that was my like thought her.
1: process my thought process was like i don't want anything to do with either of these people let me just yeah. bow out gracefully but also she should know that like if that's her boyfriend he's a dirtbag Not because he licked ass, but because he licked my ass, like, randomly.
0: I've been that girl so many times, and I'm always so creepy, because I'm like, don't worry, you can talk to me, we're going to be lifelong friends. That's how she
1: was. (laughs) That's how she was. She was really sweet. But, like, I just told her, no, there's nothing between us, but also I've known him for a long time, and he's never mentioned you, and that's a pretty big red flag. I would watch out for that guy. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, like, get out now, girl, but I'm not, not because of me, not because of my butthole. Me and my butt are over here doing our thing. Oh yeah, but so Oscar, he was the one who suggested that I put chili chili flakes in the ball powder. He's like, That'll make his That's balls so really beautiful. burn. Yeah. So Especially. Especially it was a specie treat. Um, a pancake in his pants. See but,
0: he wasn't comfortable with mediocre even in ball power. He's like, No, no, we gotta do
1: that up. I do appreciate that he wanted to add, uh, like, that he didn't like Jason either is what I felt. very thoughtful. He was like, yeah, we're here. We're here. You, you like him even less yeah. than I do. You want to burn <laughs> his dick. Okay. So I, and very infrequently, it's like my prank get turned on me and I get shocked. But I replaced his ball powder and I put it back, like, it was, like, on, like, the service bar where no ball powder should ever be. And then Jason came back and I saw him pick up the bag and I expected he was going to go to the bathroom and then come back with a fire crotch. But instead, he just, I didn't understand what I was even seeing. He poured it into a pint glass and then he added some water to it and then he chugged it. And he started- oh my God, was that his emergency? <laughs> like- <laughs> it was his protein powder. Oh shit. I thought it was shit. ball powder, but it was protein powder. So he was like coughing and he's like, what was that? And I was laughing so hard and I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know well because it's
0: him and so i was like it's either he's either gonna snort it put it on his nuts or <laughs> try to ingest it in some way so either way we still got it
1: we got him we got him but he that also, yeah i was surprised bizarre. yeah but that ball powder you know, was out of control like just bags of it everywhere it's like you guys do i hang my tampons from like my earring holes when i Oh no. well, god forbid yeah you're not supposed to talk about that
0: we don't bleed <laughs> They got into pissing contests about, like, who needed more ball powder, Mm -hmm. but we can't talk about heavy flows. (laughs) No, and and God forbid our assholes
1: aren't perfectly clean for the licking because everybody's coming for it.
0: Yeah, I just, I feel bad for anybody that's of latin heritage because like i know i have to shave my butthole so
1: like oh. and i'm only half <laughs> so. yeah more recently Wait, like like during the pandemic i feel like i got hairier have you guys experienced that at all i think it's really no, fun I, hibernating
0: i think i've just started noticing
2: <laughs> maybe and also i'm getting older i have laser hair removed to everything like an ultimate non-feminist
0: oh god you're s- such a bitch you're smart though <laughs> you're
2: smart you did it
0: yeah no i like wish i was
2: hairier it would, would
1: like match my
2: anger better you could get
1: a mark the... a what it's a pubic wig <gasps>
0: they have really bushy ones too
1: yeah oh my you can god. get like a fat market <laughs> you should get a fat market and then wear yes. a bikini with like the sides sticking out <laughs>
2: Wind. I'm like, I'm in. Over that. <laughs> Get like a black or,
0: one,
1: cause your hair is so light. That Carly,
0: do black? A chick,
1: yeah.
0: Or wear really like tight bike shorts, <laughs> so that you can really <laughs> see that. Package. So it's like really puffy. <laughs> yeah, so like, what is that? Like, just <laughs> really, really let it feel itself out. Like just go
2: wherever it full <laughs> yes. rooms just
1: a lot of short shorts and like high cuts yeah yes. <laughs> we
0: had when i was younger we had this drama teacher that had a theater camp in the summer because that's the kind of kid i was and oh yeah he would always put one foot up like, like, oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, 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 lean yeah. against his knee and he never wore underwear and so it was constantly like Who's gonna stare down the barrel of that gun? Because <laughs> oh, he was like man. trying to talk to you about like really getting into the, the performance. And I I always thought, I thought people had hair. Cause he was just smooth as a baby.
1: <laughs> I feel like maybe that was intentional. Do you think maybe he didn't know? Like, I think he knew that his balls were showing.
0: I don't know. He was you know, um, okay. <laughs> I think he knew. Because like, why? Okay, listen.
1: So you don't said, not
2: know. Like, would you walk around with that underwear on and sit in a skirt and spread your legs and be like, oh, I had no idea?
0: Well, like, it was the <laughs> No, we know that because we're conditioned to be aware of ourselves. No, and we our know. Body.
2: Men know. That, like, oh, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to rape. Like, no, they know.
1: All right. He's. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt for the rest of this podcast, but we're gonna we'll put a pin in this when it comes to law enforcement. Um, So let's think a little bit about brew house. I love that. Like we were just talking about ball powder.
0: I mean, what kind of stories? Because there's like I don't know. I feel like I have categories of them from that place. Any kind you want, baby. One. uh, This is a side thing. If you're ever there. The basement's haunted as shit. I don't care what anybody says.
1: The basement scares the shit out of me. The basement's terrible It just seems dangerous. They have like double-stacked kegs everywhere that are just like teetering on, no. Basement's, yeah, it's a gross basement. The upstairs?
0: Oh, the upstairs was even scarier!
1: Yeah.
0: Just planks of wood and shit, like holding the entire upstairs together. But don't worry, that's where the safe is.
1: the heaviest thing in the building on like an old exactly piece of wood with like wormholes in it
0: and the cockroaches were huge
1: but again
0: that was a long time ago sure it's a lot better now
1: (laughs) when i quit i wanted to get like three or four bunnies and just put them in the basement so that the whole place would get infested with bunnies but instead of doing that i just moved all the tap handles around because it's, well, like, one of these well, bars like that. that has, like, 75 beers on tap or something. And so mm-hmm. I just swapped all the handles out, like, super randomly. And, like, honestly, like, it was still six months later and people were still fucking up the beers. Like, because the handles were wrong. It was pretty brilliant. That's amazing. It was good. Yeah, good prank.
0: But there, it's so weird because, like, because it is somewhat south. I mean, it's not, like, old school south. But there's weird stuff to it. So, like, someone told me the basement is part of the underground railroad and that's, <laughs> that's not true I, to listen to this though because the house next to palm is and it's a historical landmark so according oh, well, to maybe that person then. all the businesses on that side they're all connecting in the basement so when there was the flood that's why
1: we all flooded so fast wow that's actually pretty interesting
0: how crazy is that? But that's what's so funny. Like, you go to the basement after you either just got done screwing your coworker or you're there to hide out and smoke. And oh, don't worry, because to the right of the amber is the fucking underground railroad. Like, that's fucking crazy. Like, that's so fucking crazy. Like, I took a hit off of Wolf's pipe like next
1: to part of the underground railroad <laughs> i smoked that's weed crazy. in the underground railroad <laughs> that's so fucking crazy i hooked up next to harriet tubman's ghost like, like, yeah
0: like i've always felt drawn to her and now i know why yeah like you but how crazy is that though that's that's like the only way i can think of how to round up like national and general like it's, it's a shit show and weirdly historical and filled with alcohol.
1: Do either of you have any CMA Fest or Fanfare stories? Fanfare fucking crazy. Fanfare it was so nasty. So it's like this influx of every hillbilly in the entire world who loves country music, and they all come on like these tiny, tiny, tiny budgets to see their favorite. Uh country acts and so they have no money left to tip and every bar in nashville now this is old fanfare now it's cma fest and it's a totally different animal but it mm-hmm. used to be that every bar required you to work doubles every day for the entire fanfare weekend it was just like what you had to deal with it was like either that or you're fired forget about it and everybody was exhausted i remember we worked with a girl named crystal hey crystal if you're listening And like I said, like the place was really hot. It has like the garage doors and fanfare is in like, I think June, right? Um, Yep. Yeah. So it's hot as tits in Tennessee. And I remember Crystal was walking around so much and she had on shorts. And at the end of her shift, it wasn't done yet. Like she still had work to do, but she came up and I remember she told our manager, she was like, I have to stop working. And she like showed him her thighs and she had blisters on the inside of her thighs (laughs)
0: Because oh, she's been
1: working, she had like chub rub, like the rest of us, like our thighs touch, yeah. like, no big deal. But Jesus, it was so humid and she was just there all day and all night. It was just like inhumane, man. Like, And you made dick for money because it was all these like just hicks, man. Now it's, it should have been double. But... Yeah, they should. have Yeah. Well, they could have at least paid us. You know what I mean? Like give us a hundred bucks a shift. You're making tons of money. They're, they're still oh, buying things. They're just not tipping. But that's probably a... A horse of another color. <laughs>
0: no, but, like, I've never been yelled at so many times about, like, not having gravy.
1: Oh, or, like, or or just, oh, okay, I've got a good brew house story. I forgot about this. Okay, it's fanfare. And this woman comes in. Okay, and this had just happened to me, like, a week before. I had my license in my back pocket, and I, like, sat down funny, and I snapped it in half. Okay? Mm-hmm. So... I'm working fanfare, this woman comes in, she's morbidly obese, and she sits down, and she hands me her license, and it's snapped in half, and I say to her, what'd you do, sit on it? <laughs> she looked at me, and I was like, shut oh, the fuck up,
0: oh, oh, oh my god,
1: oh, I'm so sorry, I'm only saying that because I like did that last week, and she's like, I'm so sure you did, but then, she, oh. yeah, she proceeded though to order um the loaded cheese fries, chili cheese fries with extra cheese, oh. extra chili, an extra layer of fries, extra cheese, extra chili, and then she wanted ranch poured on the top. And I was like, whatever, bitch, I'm gonna make let me just make my fat joke, whatever. I didn't mean man to, man, she went hard. Yeah, that was not my best moment. Um, I'm trying to think of other. I have, on I have one, I have one, I have one. I just thought of this, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um it was after, um, I want to say a Titans game. And you know how once you start working, you start to notice the people that kind of pretend to be homeless, but they're right. not, yes. they just get money. Cracked. Okay, well, I Cracked. didn't know any of that existed when I moved. So I know some people don't see it, but I remember we had the same guy that was in a wheelchair come and pretend to fall and then like people would help pick him up and then they would buy him food and he would always fake ball right in front of brew house and so <laughs> he did it when it wasn't busy and it was on a sunday and it was like as the titans games ending so you can see the people coming but the bar's not like fully full yet so he faked balls and i could see will and he's like god damn it <laughs> i'm <laughs> sorry <laughs> angry watching, walking towards the mind you, no one else fucking knows that
1: this guy <laughs> is a con man.
0: Will so Will like, is like the biggest dick in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so like there's always like a full, and I'm not saying this to like be insensitive, but like a bar full of fucking Europeans that are like thinking that Will is a monster. <laughs> and then, like, and, So it's starting to get busy now because the game's over and it's starting to fill up and that front area is starting to fill up. So Will is like manhandling this guy to get back in his chair. He's like, you gotta go. But he's doing it in the Will way where he's like, get out. You've gotta go. Yeah. In his monotone loud voice. And I just remember all these people were like, no, that's all right. He's a hero. So I'm like, they're yelling at an actual war veteran to stop. Yeah, <laughs> helping a, this like scam a, artist. A scam artist. And I was like, huh, my life is interesting.
1: <laughs> it's so, so interesting. Oh man. Yeah, I remember seeing specifically, I don't remember his name, but there was a guy that panhandled uh, on Broadway for years. And one time I was up by Hermitage Cafe and I saw him. Um, packing up his wheelchair, like standing up, packing up his wheelchair that he would wheel around in, putting it in the back seat of an Escalade, getting in and driving away. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Remember we? the pregnant lady? Yes!
0: yes.
2: And, that was the and I was, one. <laughs> I always said how bad I felt for her. And then it was like two years in, I think it was Nate was like, you realize she's been pregnant walking up and down Broadway for two years straight. You think she's still <laughs> pregnant? And I was like, "Oh, uh, oh!" Uh, like it, like didn't even click to me how long she's she had been pregnant. Up and down Broadway, <laughs> she's just really, she's just really pregnant. She's just perpetually pregnant, asking for money, and he's like, "You have to think. <laughs> like, you you have, have to think. Like, That's the best advice.
1: You have advice. to <laughs> think." <laughs> <laughs>
2: i remember when i moved away there was a time on a sunday i was like you know when you like clean all day you're carrying your laundry upstairs your beat
1: mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. you can barely
2: see straight you're so tired and i was just like thank god i don't work at brew house anymore
1: i yeah i feel that i was late to get out of the bartending game it was like literally until the pandemic and i feel that way about every bar i've ever worked in like thank god I don't work in a bar anymore. It's
2: you know, some people like it. I liked I it for it. a long
1: time. I really loved it. I, I didn't like brew house very much, but I liked you guys. I liked like the memories and the fun times we had. That was a fun time in my life. But as far as like the schedule and the money and working with Jason and Nate, eh.
2: <laughs> I liked my friends, but I never enjoyed the job.
1: That's fair.
0: I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I, I did. I don't know, like, I'm sure it's kind of the same for for David, because we were just so stupidly sheltered, but, I mean, that's, like, the wild time of my life.
1: <laughs> I agree. And I, I liked it, too, <laughs> like, for all of, like, the things that you saw, and all of, like, the yes. pandemonium that was going on, and also having... Kind of this innate sense of control in what is essentially a chaotic situation. And I liked the respect level that I got behind the bar. Um, like, even though I was not necessarily, like, the oldest or most mature or most responsible person in the room, I still got treated like it, even by people, like, sometimes three times my age. I, I liked, I, I did like that dynamic. But once it got old, it was over. Like, once my empathy cup was full, I started, like, hating it. So, I don't see, know. I
0: I I always loved brew house. I just I started to hate people, like just really despise mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it, the because only way that I can, yeah, and it wears on all of your emotions because you're seeing people at their worst, and sometimes
1: and they're telling just ugly you all of their people. problems and just laying them on yeah. so thick, and then it becomes kind of this like, okay, when I absorb all this like shitty energy from people who are coming into a bar to drink about it instead of solve their problems it's obviously they're gonna have the same problems over and over again they're diving into their downward spiral i'm here to assist that but then you start to really take it on and you start to like do the same and like that's fun for a while but eventually the jig is up it's not fun anymore and it becomes like i hate people people are disgusting i'm gonna be like the unabomber let me get the fuck out of this like this is crazy yeah
0: yeah there's definitely a line, but I, to me, like I've talked about it so nostalgically to friends and, and even to, to my family where I can't, I'm like, I remember having so much fun that like I looked forward to that time when you were done and Wolf would say something funny and everyone would tell the stories of who sucked and what was awful and there would always be just like really dark humor yeah you'd have a couple beers you bullshit with everybody and then you'd walk out and the sun's coming up yeah. and sometimes I would drive home with like the biggest smile on my face because I genuinely was drunk felt like <laughs> just well kidding. yeah I was I, I quickly got a DUI after that uh there but I felt genuinely like I felt like I had found people that I was friends with for the first time, not because of where I was from or where we grew up or whose family. Like, these were people that I just fucking liked hanging out with.
1: Do you remember um, getting in trouble and then, like, John, the manager, made it so we weren't allowed to drink for a while? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you remember that I used to put a bottle of Jaeger in the coffee pot, like in like the decaf coffee pot on cold and Nate and I used to go and fill up coffee mugs and just walk around like sipping on coffee?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Erna taught
1: me how to drink
0: and nobody know it, but... It backfired on both of us, and I watched were her drunk. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> it- it's like you can <laughs> I can show you how to drink and nobody know it, but I don't know if I can show anybody else how to be drunk and nobody know it. I'll show you we how to get the liquor t- in your mouth, but I can't promise that you're not yeah. going to act like an asshole after. We didn't pull it off. <laughs> um, there was an attorney at Broadway Brewhouse, and we're not going to say names because this is like hella criminal, but I think it's great. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> she was drinking whatever and she left um with another employee and they got in her car and they were driving and she, oh, crashed, she crashed the car okay <laughs> nobody got hurt and there was like nobody around and she was like when she told me the story she's like it was eerie like We were on a busy street and there was literally no one except this one guy. And he saw it happen and he looked at me and he was like, are you drunk? And she was like, yeah, I'm really drunk. And he was like, then you need to fucking run. So she did. So her and her friend ran and they ran all the way back to the bar and they waited a couple of minutes outside of the bar to like calm their breathing down. So it didn't seem like they ran. And then she walked in. She's like, guys, I can't find my fucking car anywhere. I think it got stolen. I need to call the cops. (laughs) so she called the cops and um she reported it stolen the cops found it they're like somebody must have stolen it and like crashed it into this lamppost and she's like oh no they're like yeah it's totaled and she's like oh no so she got the insurance money and she bought a new car (laughs) 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 it was one of my that's one of my favorites that came out of that but, um, I if got that's not over. a
0: fucking Ellis Island
1: uh, victory story. I don't know what we lost, Miranda. Okay, well, we lost Miranda, but I think we have everything we need. Um, Want to say good night, Carly? Good night, ladies. Good night, honey. Good night, Miranda. If you're out there, thanks for stopping by. All right, bye, baby. Oh, I totally forgot. I've been doing this thing where I keep the edited out scraps from the show. And if there are any funny ones, I put them at the end of the show. So I left you some of that right after this. Enjoy.
2: Um, And then they come back single at the bar and you were like, I was here with you five minutes ago when you had that wedding ring on. Like, I, it's not lost on me. I'm the sober one. like, And they would be like, Oh, no, I'm single. And I'm like, well, you were wearing a red wedding ring five minutes ago before you went to the bathroom. Like,
1: I've never experienced that. I'm sure I've experienced that, but I've never noticed it.
2: Oh, I feel like that happened, like a 100 times that a guy would be talking to you then realize he didn't want to be married at the moment go to the bathroom and come back without a ring and then be like what are you talking about and i would be like i'm here and i'm sober (laughs) i'm at work (laughs) yeah like i'm at work what do you think just happened here like it was
0: so strange
1: hi you were
0: sober at work i was never sober at work
1: hi Right, and also, (laughs) also, we were all so drunk for so long. Like, to just irrationally start crying. We aren't all so drunk for so long right now. I mean, kind of, I am. But we all still just start irrationally crying. Don't ever apologize for that. Own that. Own that. (laughs) Zero tolerance
2: on non-crying. Zero tolerance on non-crying. Crying
1: Crying is happening. All right. He's we'll give him the benefit of the doubt for the rest of this podcast but we're gonna we'll put a pin in this when it comes to law enforcement um so let's think a little bit about brew house i love that like we were just talking
0: about ball powder and this is where we went yeah
2: do you want to start now no let's do
0: it again that was
2: warm up up. can you start now oh yeah sure you want to start again yeah sure so that was an intro
1: our show for today thank you all for stopping by and I will be back next week with another story I'm not doing a guest host next week mainly because when I have guests on at the after party I get really drunk and I can't get that drunk every single week week in and week out so next week is a rest week it's gonna be a short story but no special guest but then after that we'll be back to our regularly scheduled drinking Okay, thanks again for stopping by. And if you want a copy of my books, uh, you can get them at orianndoretter.com. And again, that is all in the show notes. Bye.